Welcome to the Being Well Between Cultures podcast. I am Katerina and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Vamos. C'est parti. Have you ever moved to a different country or a new city and tried to connect with people from a different culture? Did you feel like you needed to be someone you are not in order to fit in, to be welcomed, or to be accepted into that community? One of the toughest things to do when living across cultures is to authentically connect with others and adapt to a new environment without losing ourselves in the process. Have you ever struggled with that? I have many times. And so I know how challenging, scary, confusing, and even painful it can be. Today, we welcome Amarines Brandenburg to talk about what we can do to navigate those rough waves and turn our intercultural life into an experience that feels much more fulfilling and is genuinely aligned with who we are and what really matters to us. Amarines is a certified holistic health coach and has also completed a yoga teacher training focused on Ayurveda and yoga therapy. She was born in the Netherlands, where she grew up in a Frisian family. She's had many cross-cultural adventures in her life, including living and working in France, living as an expat in Australia, and relocating to Spain, where she currently lives with her Australian fiancé. As a yoga and self-love coach, Amarines guides and helps women reconnect with who they truly are, grow their self-love, step into their own inner power, and live from their heart. She offers online coaching programs and yoga classes to clients from around the world, and she hosts in-person retreats on the stunning Costa Brava in northeastern Spain. I had a wonderful time talking to Amarines about her experiences living in different cultures, why practicing self-love and being authentic is one of the key foundations of our well-being, and how that can actually help us have more fulfilling lives across cultures. I am delighted to share a conversation with this community. Enjoy. Hello, Amarines. Welcome to the Being Well Between Cultures podcast. And thank you so much for accepting this invitation to be my conversation partner today. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Really looking forward to it. Amarines and I met at a coaching bootcamp. So it was a bootcamp for health coaches. I wasn't a health coach at the time, but she was. And so this was during the pandemic, I think in 2020. So we've known each other virtually. For that long and I'm looking forward to meeting her in person one day but today we get the opportunity to have her here and Amarines you are a self-love coach that's your area of expertise and focus tell us more about that what, what is self-love how do you define it that's a good question to start with I think yeah for me self-love really is about being content and and happy with with who you are um, accepting yourself including all the off days, um, and also to nurture your growth and your well-being. Um, that's what I think is the whole picture. And what I really think is really important is that we have everything we need, we already have inside, uh, inside us. Um, but often we look other people, other things that can bring us happiness. Or if, if I find that guy, then I'll be happy. But we often forget the most important relationship, and that's the one with ourselves, I think. 
and I help women to reconnect with themselves with that relationship, give them tools and tricks to really nurture and grow that that most important relationship in your life, I think. <laughs> I think, you know, something else that, that I heard you say is a key word and it's part of the name of this podcast and the reason why this community exists and it's the well-being, right? That part of one's life where you know you really want to feel well and feel your best and really nurture yourself and thrive and self-love has a direct connection with that you know to put in the context of this podcast and you know how we're all about well-being and well-being between cultures why is it so important for us to cultivate self-love and keep it strong while living between cultures or living abroad well, I think when you move abroad, you're really focused on your new environment and you're like, oh, I want to meet new people. I want to meet my neighbors. I don't want to be lonely. I just need to fit in. And you're just really focusing on things outside of yourself. And then and you're really enthusiastic. And then, yeah, you might forget like yourself or maybe you change yourself a little bit to fit in. But it's really important to also at the same time also look inward and think like okay how, how is it going with me actually with myself and then connect with yourself and from there just connect with others to not only be focusing on on the new world but also focus on your inner world yeah I agree with that you know I often think that the focus sometimes is put too much on you know maybe learning about others or the other culture and how to adapt to that and you know we put ourselves in the mindset of having to change ourselves right and in a way there's some adjustments that maybe need to happen for us to function better and be able to connect with people but sometimes we might take it a little too far so I'm glad we're having this conversation about that today and the importance of the self-love and self-awareness and self-knowledge first as the foundation to connect with others and adapt to a new environment. And so let's talk about a little more about you, right? About yourself. I know some things about you. I have also been learning some new ones. So something I know about you is that you were born in the Netherlands and you grew up there. And something new that I learned about you is that you grew up in a Frisian family, something that I, I read about you on your website and it really caught my attention. Can you tell us more about that? Where is Frida yeah. located? Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. It it is actually a province in the Netherlands. It's a, one of the in the north of the Netherlands, and it's a bit different than the other provinces because we do have our own language called Frisian, mm -hmm. and it is um, yeah. We have our own flag. We have our own language. It's like a really strong culture as well, and it used to be much along the whole coast, also into Germany and Scandinavia, and I think even maybe. Um, to further south, it was all in the old days. It was called Friesland, but it's just in, in Germany. There's also a part that's called Friesland, and they have the language. Of course, changes a little bit. But for me, what really is the thing about growing up in a Frisian family is that I grew, grew up speaking Frisian, not Dutch mm -hmm. at home. So that's oh, so that was really, your first language. Yeah, it's my first language. Yeah, and still. With my parents, with my siblings, I always speak uh, Frisian. So that is really my mother tongue. If I, yesterday I was really tired and then I start speaking to my, talking to my Australian boyfriend in Frisian. I was like, oh, I must be really tired <laughs> if I speak Frisian to him. That's right. You went into the, the relaxed mode. Uh, you know, what's yeah. the, the most relaxing language to communicate? And you revert to, of course, your first language. 
Yeah. Does he yeah. speak Frisian? <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. But he can, he can understand because the funny thing is in Frisian, it's it also has some influence of English as well. So he mm -hmm. speaks English and he learned Dutch. So then with those two, he can understand almost everything. So that's ah, really okay. So there's some connections there that help communication flow. That's good. Yeah, exactly. And and you mentioned so that um, there's some culture actually, you know, that is shared. Uh, within the Frisian community. So can, can you tell us a little bit about some of the main cultural values or things that, you know, are the highlights of this community in terms of culture? With culture, I think the Frisian people are quite down to earth, I think, mm. which on one hand is really good, but I was quite an emotional. <laughs> I'm quite an <laughs> emotional person that doesn't sometimes doesn't really seem to... Yeah, it's a bit different. <laughs> and one of the most, like a really cultural thing is that we've got from the old days, there's only 11 cities in the whole province. And some of the cities, they have city rights, but they are actually quite tiny. They are towns that are much bigger, but they're not officially a city. And then there's 11 cities in the province. And then in the old days, now not so often anymore, but there's like this really famous ice skating Oh. route it's about 200 200 kilometers so if oh. you have a really good winter then you can ice then they then you can ice skate from those they loop this 11 cities together and then mm -hmm. there's um, 200 kilometers and it's like a big event and like the whole country is going crazy so every time when it's getting cold in the winter and there's frost and the the all the mm -hmm. canals are freezing then everyone's like oh is it going to be this one this year the elf state and toch they call it like the 11th city route uh -huh. and um then yeah so then if it's getting cold the whole country is always like oh, oh this year <laughs> is there going to be one or not but the last one was in mm -hmm. 98 i think it was so oh been, yeah wow. because with them <laughs> and so you also mentioned being down to earth right and, and versus you having a more emotional side and so that made me think about something that, you know, it's an image that we associate with emotions and feeling, and those are uh, the hearts, right? The image of a heart. And so when I was looking up Friesland and, you know, Friesian, what does that mean? Where is it? I saw the flag that you mentioned, you have your own flag. And so for, for our listeners, um, well, you can go look this up. So if you're curious, but I'll, I'll try to describe it. So basically you have three white stripes, diagonal stripes, and two blue ones, and the corners are also blue. And on the white stripes, uh, on two of them, there's like two images that to me look like red hearts. And then on the, the other white stripe, the middle one, there's three. And so are those hearts, what do they symbolize? Am I right in my interpretation or is it something else? Tell us. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true. It looks really like a heart. It's really, it's really red as well. So it's like, really, it looks like a heart, but it it is actually, it's called, in Frisian, it's called a pompeblad. Mm -hmm. And it is actually um, a leaf from a water lily. So that's where it comes from. And they got seven because they say there were seven. In the old days, they believed there were seven Frisian countries. So that's why they have seven or seven can also mean a lot mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. they're not sure where it comes from but yeah no it's not it's it's I not like a hard but yeah. <laughs> no, it lo does look like it and I it like does it. look I like it, it but it's, it's yeah. so beautiful and uh Lil lily is one of my 
favorite flowers. Are there a lot of water lilies? Is this why this was picked as a symbol? To yeah, be? yeah, because like this, the, my parents live in a small village, and next to there, there's like a, a waterway, and they have there's lilies in there. Yeah. So oh, how wonderful! Yeah, yeah. yeah. See now, now through you. I have gotten to know more about that part of the world, that region, and now I'm excited to maybe someday go explore it with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We could just go together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would, that would be a fun adventure. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing. And so let's talk a little more about different parts of the world. And let's talk now about where else your adventurous soul has taken you. So I know that there's been many adventures in your life in places outside of the Netherlands. You currently live in Spain. This is where you're um, based, your country of residence right now. But you've also previously lived in France and Australia. What took you there? What took you, Where did you go first? Was it Australia or France? And, and what took you there? What was your why behind those very big cross-cultural moves. I studied in the in the Netherlands, but I mm -hmm. always had something like, oh, I want to travel after my studies. And I was like, mm, I can work in the Netherlands, but I really want to work abroad. So I was like, oh, why not France? I love France. Mm -hmm. So then I applied for a job and I got, it was like a sort of a summer um, job. And I got the job and it was like, oh, it was so great. It was, We were working, but it felt more like a holiday because we went out for a lot of dinners like the ticket resto maybe you know from france mm -hmm. and um going out for parties and going out we, sometimes we had to work a certain amount of days in a row and then we had four days off so then we're like mm. oh let's go away for a weekend on the sea or i was living in leon after that i went traveling to south america for five months mm. which was really good and then i got back went back to france because they asked me and another friend if we wanted to come back so then we went back to france for a few months to work mm. another uh, few months there and then I got back to the Netherlands. Then I moved to Spain for the first time. I did um, an exchange for, for my work. And then I moved mm -hmm. to Barcelona. Mm -hmm. I lived there for six months. And I, oh, that, was, that really felt like home. It was like, oh, this is my my country. My, <laughs> you connected so right there. away. Yeah, and the language went so easy because mm -hmm. French is, for me, it, it was really tough. Like I already spoke a bit of French when I moved mm -hmm. there, but it's still, I had lessons and everything and I really did my best, but it wasn't, I wasn't really a natural at it, but in Spain, mm -hmm. it's like, it flowed. It's it like, just, oh, it it's just, just slowed. Yeah, 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 somehow. <laughs> and um, it was only for six months. So then I got back to the Netherlands and then, then in the Netherlands, I met my Australian boyfriend and then mm -hmm. he got the opportunity to work from Australia for six months and he asked me if I wanted to join him so I said yeah that's fine but I couldn't get a sabbatical so I had to quit my job ah. to go with him but I was like yeah this is a maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity that we can go there for his work and um, get the experience of how it is really living in his home country so I want to do mm -hmm. that so we went there and that was also for six months I think and um and then when we got back um i think two days later i had my old job back so in the end it was uh, <laughs> it was it was like Funny okay life can... works that way yeah 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 because like i don't want to hold, hold this that this like this stops me it holds me back i just want to go for this adventure and then i came and got my back job old job back like two days later so it's like okay this was a sign like you did it was good that you took mm -hmm. this <laughs> risk and did it mm-hmm and then in Australia, we lived along the coast, yeah, really on the coast, which we loved. And then we're like, mm, maybe you want more of it, like this kind of lifestyle than like the mm. really corporate 
lifestyle mm-hmm. like in the Netherlands and then in the end we're like okay which country and then Spain came up because I spoke Spanish I love it there and yeah and then that in the connection end, yeah. was strong there <laughs> yeah yeah it was so then in the end we moved so it's been uh, yeah and we love it here it's really good we live now on the Costa Brava which is a really beautiful part of Spain so, la uh, Costa Brava. and so tell me you know a little bit about you know making the decision to move to these places right like but was it hard to make that decision to to move away from what you were used to once someone asked me like oh that must be so difficult mm. uh, those making those decisions and then I was thinking about it and actually it wasn't for me somehow because mm-hmm. I really knew I want to do this it feels so good somehow I just was convinced that this is my path this is where I want to go this mm-hmm. is where I want to be that I really didn't have that those that much mm-hmm. doubts also by quitting my job. It's a bit that sometimes that's like a big thing, but it's like, no, I, I really want to go for this for this adventure, for example, yeah. in Australia. Somehow for me it's always been like, no, I've I have a I can doubt a lot of things and <laughs> but, but that these wasn't somehow yeah. <laughs> this these things were somehow no. It was just like it feels really good. My intuition says it's okay. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. In my case, it always turned out really, really well. So, you know, when you have that connection with your intuition and you trust it, then things appear clearer, right? And 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 making decisions that normally, or for a lot of people, might be hard decisions to make, they just flow, right? And it's beautiful to hear that that's possible too, because I, I think sometimes yeah, we're like, was it hard? And I get this question a lot too, and I was like, well, the first time it wasn't because I was. 17 and I was just excited about going to live in France and I went and there were some things that I was scared about or you know just kind of concerned about but mostly from separating from family and not seeing them uh, every day but I knew this is what I wanted to do right there was clarity moving to the U.S. was a different decision process and like the concerns were different and I was also older and I think like some things have have, had shifted and maybe I was not as connected to my intuition but this is a topic for another podcast episode I will share my story somewhere else let's refocus on yours and I and I love that you share this perspective of like it can also be easy it can also be clear and we can also flew through that decision process with ease I think it's also by being connected to yourself and mm-hmm. your the relationship with yourself that you know a little bit like if you're excited like good excited or mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's like something that you your intuition tells you not not to do it so mm-hmm. I think that that's also in cases like that you know, the relationship with yourself and the, the love that you feel for yourself is like a strong foundation that helps to make those decisions easier. Oh, that is helpful because in the case of fear or doubt, you know, what what can help people move through that and overcome that, overcome the resistance, right? To taking the risk. And it's this self-knowledge and this connection to, well, who you are, what you want, what you're about, what lights you up, what feels right for you. Going back to your experience of deciding to move to these places, did you already speak the the language, the local languages before you moved there? 
Yeah, I learned French when I was in high school, so mm. that helped. And when growing up, we often went on holiday to, to France. So I had like basic level of, of French. And I also used it in my work and sometimes mm. needed to call hospitals and organize things. Uh, so it, that's where I needed it for too. So that was good. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, what I said, I also took extra lessons while I was living there. But So yeah, I think that does help. And same with Spain, because I learned Spanish when I was traveling in South America. Mm. And then when I was working in Barcelona, well, there was only one colleague that spoke English and the rest was just speaking Spanish. And that's also what I wanted, because that also helps too. You just mm-hmm. are immersed in the language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it goes I mean, out fast. of need to communicate, to work and to survive and to just, you know, en- enjoy your time in that place as much as possible. The full immersion is works like magic. When did you start learning English, like in, in the education system in the Netherlands? Is yeah. From a very the, young age? Yeah, from a young age. And also, like the Netherlands is a small, quite a small country. We do have a lot of people, but it's a quite a small uh, country. Mm-hmm. And all the movies, for example, everything's just in English and it has Dutch subtitles. Mm. So that also really helps. Like everyone in the Netherlands speaks really well English just because Mm -hmm. we we sort of grow up with it like in Germany for example they all dubbed the the movie so all the then you hear like George Clooney speaking in German for example (laughs) yeah we don't have that in the Netherlands they just Ah, he's just like George Clooney so with the subtitles so I think that also helps a lot to learn the language yeah it's very interesting and so speaking of languages you know spoken language is one of the wonderful tools we have to be able to communicate and connect with other people, which of course is an essential need that all humans have, right? To be able to thrive and live fulfilling, meaningful lives. And for people who make this choice to move somewhere different, a different country or city, you know, one of the main things we look for is that connection, connecting with others, building a community, a circle of friends, so that we can have a better experience adapting to the new place thriving in it enjoying it but as we mentioned before you know when we try to do these there's a tendency that humans have to try to imitate what we're seeing or being like other people or behaving in ways that you know please other people so that we have a way in you know and we do these either consciously or unconsciously we think that that's the way to get that welcome right from the others and to feel accepted into that community. Is this something you experienced in your, you know, intercultural life, something that, you know, you you struggle with or you realize what's happening to you? Well, I think for me, this is like um, an interesting one because I think when I was still living in the Netherlands in my home country, then I really tried to fit in and trying to be like the perfect girl and studying law and, mm. and doing all the good things and being happy and, and not be a burden and all those kind of things mm. um trying to find a guy maybe adjusting my myself a little bit just to hope to get a boyfriend and all all those kind of things so and but then when we moved to spain um i feel much more free or something mm. here and i don't know if it's because you're literally further away from your own home country mm-hmm. and the things that you really know well and what society expects you to do or what you think that well, what the normal route is in your country, what other people do. But when you just really step out of that, for mm-hmm. me, that gives like a, a lot of freedom somehow. Mm-hmm. I feel I have it much less here. And of course, there are certain things that sometimes you're like, oh yeah, 
I I, I noticed that <laughs> you have some things that <laughs> yeah challenge you, of course. But it's yeah, I thought it was it's interesting because I feel freer here, I guess, uh-huh. than when I was when I was still in the Netherlands. You know, I am so intrigued right now by what you're saying, because some of it is really resonating with me in my own experience, but also because this is also, again, a fresh perspective or or a different perspective on things that we typically, you know, hear about this experience of going from familiar place, your native country to new place, foreign country. And how for you, it was really in your native country where you experienced more of the behaving like perhaps someone you're not or, be, or trying to become someone you're not to please others, right? And be the perfect girl. And once you moved away from that, you were actually able to step into a different side of yourself that was more authentic because you felt more free. And I think this is also something that many people listening might might resonate with and be like, yeah, it was more like that for me. And that's maybe part of the reason why I actually left. (laughs) (laughs) And so let's talk a little more about uh, the authentic self. How do we define authentic self? What is the authentic self or being authentic? Being authentic is like, for me, it's just being real and do what you want to do. And not like, I had a lot of things in the past. I felt like a lot of pressure from from society. Oh, you have to study and then you have to buy a house and then you have to get it. And then I have two kids and two cars and (laughs) that's the the road to to go. (laughs) And I'm taking a different road. I'm moving abroad and I'm doing it my way. Being real and honest to yourself as well, I think. And also not like, oh, I have to be perfect. But no, it's just embracing your whole self also your shadow sides or when you have negative emotions Mm. or the whole package Mm -hmm. it's that's part of it and not just the nice things in life I think (laughs) um so going back to you know these idea of reconnecting with our authentic self and knowing what that looks like right And, and what is the whole package um what made you want to reconnect with your authentic self like what was the turning point the moment where you're like okay enough of people pleasing I'm gonna go on a different path and this is why um that's a really good question I think part of me was already even after law school I went to France and that was already a, a, like as my colleague of as my one of my um how you, how you do you say it like the other students said but why do you mm-hmm. accept a job like that because you did university and it is just a job grade much lower I was like I don't mm. I don't care about that but <laughs> mm. I just want the experience something different but another thing that that's not really what, what like what for me was a big turning point I think is when I went to a workshop Mm-hmm. and we had to share our biggest dream in life mm-hmm. and there were quite a few girls that were saying something like oh yeah I want to find my prince charming or I want to have mm-hmm. this really loving relationship with a guy mm-hmm. and that was me too and that was what I kept chasing for like since I was 18 or something mm-hmm. and then at that point I think I was about 28 and I was like and then suddenly it hit me and I was like it's not that guy that's going to bring me happiness. It's just mm-hmm. me. It's in me. I have to focus on myself and, mm-hmm. and love myself and nurture that relationship and my own well-being instead of trying, waiting for someone else to bring it to me. Mm-hmm. And that was really, that was like, okay, I have to reconnect with myself. And then mm-hmm. the whole journey started off. Isn't it amazing how like sometimes workshops, there's there's things that, that you hear or that you're asked to do, and then you have that 
aha moment where the light goes on. You're like, I just learned something about myself. <laughs> Let me change courses and go in that direction now. What helped you find your way back to yourself, right? And restore that connection with your authentic self. Can you can you share with us maybe a few of the tools and practices that worked for you? There are two things actually that really helped me a lot. And one of them was meditation. Um, meditation is, I see it as actually being present with yourself. Um, you're just sitting, observing what's going on, what happens on, in your mind. And you can just, you sort of learn that your thought, you're not your thoughts. You can observe your thoughts. You can see them pass by and that you are mm -hmm. actually the one observe, observing. Mm -hmm. um, and that really, yeah, it really helped me to actually realize what I actually was thinking about myself and what I was saying to myself <laughs> mm -hmm. and all those things. And then when I thought, okay, if I have those thoughts of certain negative thoughts that came repeating and I couldn't let go of, then there's also a really good exercise from Byron Katie is to, to turn it around. Maybe you've heard of it, like that you really ask yourself, is this true? Is it really mm. true? And how would you feel if you believe this? Or how would you feel if you, if you don't choose to believe this thought and can you turn mm -hmm. it around? So these two things, your thoughts and how you talk to yourself, learn how to be present with yourself and what you feel. Mm -hmm. I think meditation is, for me, it was like, it's a game changer. I still do it every day. I think that's the, the mm -hmm. most important tool for me. And the other one is, is yoga. It's like more like the wisdom of the body. We've got the mind in the meditation and the, the, the yoga for the body just to really get out of your head as well because we can overthink things often and not really connect with our bodies and Yoga really helps to drop mm -hmm. into your body and learn what your body is telling you because often we like running around on autopilot and we're not stopping. We just go, 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 go. And then, and your body might tell you things, but you don't take time to listen. And then when you actually stop mm -hmm. and listen, and then you can like, oh, here's some tension. Oh, here I can stretch a little bit, or here I, I can set boundaries, or it just, it really helps you to, yeah, to get to know yourself also much better and listen to your body, what it has to tell you. And going back to what you were saying, because this is a really interesting thing. And I think it is definitely a powerful tool that turning around the self-talk, right? And, and the first step is to be aware of the self-talk, right? And it takes courage sometimes to even face what we tell ourselves and how unkind it can be. And can you give us maybe an example of, of say, a thought or a sentence that, you know, maybe as you were working on reconnecting with your with yourself and being kinder, that, you know, you had a thought that wasn't very kind and how you turned that around, you know, what that, what did that sound like? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I think for me, one that comes back a lot is like, I'm not good enough. Mm. Like, it's, it's like, uh, maybe we, <laughs> I think I know a lot of women who have yeah, that Yeah, it's a favorite I'm, among a lot of yeah. A lot of a lot of people, yes. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm not good enough. And if you keep telling yourself that, then at one point you're going to feel like that. And then mm -hmm. it's like, is it really true? Am I really not good enough? And who says that? And and even if someone else says that, what do I think myself? What is it? And how do how does it make me feel if I think I'm mm -hmm. not good enough? Well, you feel really sad and low energy, not optimistic. It just brings you down. And it's like, how do I want to feel? Oh, I want to feel empowered and I want to be like that I can conquer the world and that I want to be happy and content mm -hmm. with what I do and then okay can I turn can I turn it around yeah mm -hmm. I am good enough I am good enough and what I did for a while is just every morning 
in my meditation I just said okay I'm good enough or I'm on the on on the road to finding Mm -hmm. myself good enough if you think that's a step too far yeah and that really for me is also really powerful so same with I am I am love or I love myself is also one that I Mm -hmm. used a lot or still use actually to say I am love every day because you can never say it (laughs) enough to yourself as well I think (laughs) And it's a process, like you were saying. Yeah. I like that. There's there's also a possibility of taking the baby steps because it has to, it has to be something that you know generates that feeling of like, I believe this or or I can believe this, right? And so sometimes you have to take the baby step of I'm on the I'm on the way to feeling good enough, and we'll get there. And someday you get there, and and then what comes out in your mind as a thought is I am good enough and you really feel that energy and you believe it right in all the cells of your body yes exactly yes and so now you know I want to talk a little bit about balancing two things that are really very important in the journey of intercultural living right and this is well this connection with our authentic self and staying who we are staying ourselves and at the same time trying to adapt ourselves to a new culture, a new environment, a new community that we want to be a part of. And that can be a very hard thing to do. So what is according to you, the hardest part about like trying to stay authentic in a new culture or community? I think that's also going back to, I guess, the fear of rejection that you, that no one, you're your authentic self, that people mm-hmm. won't like you or that you end up being lonely because you can't connect with other people. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a big one. I know I, I've, I've known that fear, you know, and the fear of being judged and, and rejected and just staying alone. It's, it's hard to overcome. Um, but this is why, you know, self-love coaching can help. And we'll definitely talk some more about, about that and what you do and some of the tools that can help people stay connected with their authentic self and, and set boundaries on like, how far are you going to go to adapt and fit in? right? How far is too far where you have lost yourself and lost that connection that's so important to maintain, especially when you're somewhere that is not familiar, it's foreign, and you know, you're kind of the outsider, right? It's still very important. Let's talk a little bit about that, like overcoming that that fear and that resistance to just staying true to yourself. What tips can you give people who are looking for a balance between being authentic and adapting certain aspects of themselves in their new environment? I think it's really like a more like a practical thing. It's like mm-hmm. you can look for like-minded people. So for example, when I was in Barcelona, living in Barcelona, I was about like 10, 12 years younger, younger than I'm now. And then I really like going out and trying and trying out new places, going uh-huh. for a drink. So then I went to meetups um, to meet new people that were just meeting up in bars. And then I met a lot of nice people where I went out with partying with. And at that stage of my life, that's what I was, what I wanted. And like-minded people now Mm -hmm. I'm much more of like oh I want to go I like hiking of going for a beach walk or doing things like that and now I'm trying to see okay can I find like a walking club or Mm -hmm. something that's more related to that so then I try emphasis a bit more on that part of myself and then Mm -hmm. if someone else also likes hiking then you have already one thing in common at least Mm -hmm. and that's that's the power there like the finding something in common and even if we're somewhere that's like extremely different with people who seem very different than us, you can still find common ground and something that connects you. And it can be a hobby, a shared interest, a shared experience, 
a language, so many different things, right? A book that you read, a song that you like, food. And I think that's important too, because sometimes the tendency is also, well, if I'm going to look for like-minded people, people who are more like me, and and you, you can tell us how I was in Barcelona, but maybe the instinct is to find people from your own country. And that can be a good thing. And it can also be something that contributes to isolation. Tell us a little bit about in Barcelona, was there a large community of Dutch expatriates, expatriates? This is a hard word for me to pronounce, <laughs> expats. <laughs> Uh, there is actually a really big group mm-hmm. of Dutch people, but I think I've only been maybe I can't even remember going out with Dutch people, mm. going to Dutch Dutch yeah. things because I really wanted to have this emerge in in the language in the country. So I went to meetups. Maybe it was something like Spanish English meetups mm-hmm. or something. So you could practice your language as well. I think I did that too. Yeah. So then yeah, also Spanish speakers coming and not only like. Um, tourists or people that were just there for a little while so then I thought okay then at least there's also a chance that there are more locals locals that like to have a more international connection Uh uh-huh and here's the thing too I think that you know you know there's what we can do right and and it's making that effort to find those groups and and try to make those connections and find the commonalities and there's also keeping in mind that we're not meant to connect with everybody either that's a really right? important one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> These are important. yes. And that and that because it's a connection, there's there's two people here. It's not just you, right? So you you also need to get really good at reading the energy that's coming from the other person and how willing they are to connect with you and find common things. And there's some people who are just not there. There's some people who, you know, foreigners make them nervous. They don't know how to <laughs> act around them. Uh, or ha- or might have, you know, like some philosophies or some thoughts that are really rigid in terms of just, you know, opening themselves to things that are different and people that are different. And others who may not be necessarily from your home country, but they're the most open people and they just love to connect with others, regardless of where they come from, they will find something in common. And it doesn't have to be everything. You're the exact replica of myself. That doesn't exist. No, <laughs> you're, no. You're no. unique, right? That's no. beautiful. No. Um, and yeah. what I realized as well at one point, and in the beginning, I was like, oh, I need to make new friends here and I need mm. to make them now. And then I was at one point, I was like, just wait a minute back in your home country as well it's not that you have make a new friend every week or something it's not like that they that you even in your home country right. it's not how it works it just takes time and some people yeah sometimes you, you have a connection with and some people you meet and you're like yeah you're nice but no I don't feel it and that's also right. fine it's if you look back at the last 10 years of your life in your home country how many new friends did you make then it's also not that you make like thousand new friends or something <laughs> at least I didn't so it's like oh yeah it's good to yeah realize to that too. realize that yeah no I'm yeah. so glad you mentioned that because it is true that there's this pressure that we put on ourselves to make friends build a community because it's the instinct that we have like connect 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 we're humans you can't isolate yourself and, and there's a need obviously right and depending on how extrovert or introvert you are that might be more intense or more obvious in one of my moves I moved from a place where I had a lot of friends a really close circle of you know support and in a community to a place where I knew no one And it gave me anxiety, right? First, because of the change and the transition. But 
when I realized that that was an opportunity to reconnect with myself without all the noise that came from like all the friends and the social activities and, you know, being busy all the time and happy hours and all of that too. Now you're here and guess who's here with you? You're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Katerina is here. Let's just spend some time with her, right? Let's reconnect yeah. with her, see what she's about. And so it's kind of like that, that, a journey to the self-love and who are you without so many friends exactly what is yeah. the essence here and then before you make new friends let's just spend some time with you yeah that's yeah. so, so true <laughs> so and in that process you know there were good days and there were bad days there were days that I enjoyed with Katharina and some days where I just like oh it's an off day right so tell us more about about that what is an off day what does that look and feel like in your life yeah, well, when I have an off day, it's like, oh, I'm low on energy. Maybe I feel like, oh, I, I can start crying every moment mm. or I'm sad. Yeah, you just feel off and you're not content or happy with what you're doing. You just feel like, oh, I need a bit of a break. I need some time for myself. Or what also often happens is then we keep ourselves busy. We distract ourselves with Netflix or whatever it is. Mm. And we're not like really take time to listen to what we actually need to hear. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's hard because it's it's unpleasant. It doesn't feel good. We feel like the light inside of us is just not on. We don't really want to stay stuck in that. How can we flow through them, right? And and how can we do that without really resisting them? How can we befriend, in a way, the off days? Good question. Our first instinct might be to trying to push them away, but then maybe you also know that if you push them away, they're still there, but you think, oh, I put them under there somewhere. I don't look at it. But then at one point, it's like, it all, at least it wasn't my case in the past, and I just explode. Mm -hmm. That wasn't fun for no one. So now I'm like, okay, okay, I noticed this. What can I do to to support a bit more? Like, okay, I noticed I'm not feeling too great. What can I do? Can I go for beach walk maybe or just meditate and feel like what is actually going on in my body what is it is it do I feel energy do I feel tears popping up do I feel like a heavy feeling or just observe it you don't have to um, do anything with it actually just invite it even maybe or just observe and say okay I hear you I'm here I'm going to listen and then see what happens so observation yeah. is is a tool and it's a skill and some people are better than others that we all have it. We have the capacity and the, and the power to observe. But sometimes we have the need for support or for someone to guide us, right? And how to even do that. Going back to, you know, this powerful tool, for example, that is self-love, right? I think that something that you were saying at the beginning of our conversation and how we come with everything we need to navigate life, but we dis disconnect from that. And very often we're looking for it in a relationship or a community of friends or, you know, external sources of support. How can self-love as a tool, right, help us navigate these off days or even in general, just hard times that come up in specifically in our life abroad? You know, we will have off days when we feel disconnected, we miss our family, we feel homesick, we don't really like where we live. Um, we're having a hard time with the local language, learning it and connecting with people, or we don't like the job. You know, how can self-love be a tool to get us through those hard times? Well, I think self-love is really about accepting yourself and also mm. these off days. And I think that's where it is, again, about just like, okay, you, you're having a hard day. That's part of life, actually. And 
I think it's really important that we make room for it. If you feel sad, cry. There's nothing mm. wrong with crying. Or if you want to yell, sometimes it's really good to just like scream and yell or just shake you. If you feel like, oh, shake your body or whatever it is that you, you feel intent to do. If you just take a moment and stop and sit with it and see like, okay. Mm-hmm. That's also part of self-love is allowing yourself to feel those things or to notice mm-hmm. it and let it be there. It's not yeah. always like rainbows and butterflies. That's also part of life. And the better you know, like, you know, okay, this is also me. And it's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay. It doesn't have to go away. You don't have to push it away. No, it's okay. It's part of it. Let it be there. And mm-hmm. then I know that's easier said than done, but <laughs> it, you can you can train it and it does. It, it does. So there are some, some tools yeah. um, that can help you. Is this part of what you do as a self-love coach? Do you do you help people get more comfortable with their emotions, connect with them, be able to even talk about them to themselves and to others? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's a really important part of the whole self-love package because it's a part that we not often don't talk about or we don't know even how to how to deal with it. And it's like emotions a lot of people don't know but it's only like normally like the whole thing goes through your body in a few minutes if Mm. you just let it go but if you put a story on it or resistance or that's that's what makes us struggle Mm -hmm. so if you you can also do it yourself but i it's also something that i do with my clients in the whole program is that we also just go sit and I guide you into a meditation and to see, observe what's going on in your body. What what do you actually feel? You don't have to put a label on, oh, I feel sad or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can just feel like, oh, okay, I feel maybe a pressure on my chest or oh, mm-hmm. it feels like there's a brick on my stomach. And that's already like a very, very, very good step just to know like, okay, what do what is it actually that you don't have to, what I said, you don't have to put a label and it's like, oh, I'm sad or angry or... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. disappointed or whatever i like is, but, that because you remove yeah. the pressure to even label it and sometimes you're yeah. like, i don't i don't really know if this is no, sadness you don't need yeah i don't you have don't, the word for it <laughs> no and you don't need words you just right. it, it's about feeling it if you find it hard to sit still or you don't really like that you can also just go outside and preferably nature if that's possible mm-hmm. but then in silence don't take a podcast or mm-hmm. phone with you or put your phone on flight mode and just be in nature walk mm-hmm. like being aware and just being being present in nature can also be a really good one I actually mm-hmm. did myself this morning went for a long a walk along the beach and then yeah just the sound of the sea just calms you down and do something for you just nature is really nurturing so that's also a really good one for our listeners who want to learn more about you and what you do where can they find you well, we know you're in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> you can always come to Spain because I, I ho- do host retreats in Peru. Ah, so this is that. really good. That is really nice. Uh, like a really like um, a gift to yourself, actually, to be here in nature. We live on the on the edge of the forest and we have just a few k's from the beach. So um, that's one option. <laughs> oh, so you can't find me here. Uh-huh. Um, and um, yeah, well, you mentioned already a bit my Instagram uh, page. I've got mm-hmm. my Instagram page and um, and I've got a website um, okay. as well. Yeah. I'll put all that in the in the show notes, the, the episode description for people to find you really easily and connect with you. So you mentioned the retreats and then you also do one-on-one coaching. What kinds of of coaching services or or programs do you currently offer for people to work with you? 
I at the moment I have a one-on-one program called Love Yourself from the Inside Out because mm-hmm. it's really about the connection Lovely. with yourself. <laughs> yeah, and it's a, it's an uh, it's an eight-week program together, and we do yoga and meditation as well is included. Um, but it's really like about themes like perfectionism, not feeling good enough, embracing your off days, cultivating that self-love, maybe even self-confidence. And I always adjust it to what you need you before mm-hmm. we start working you feel in like a questionnaire and then from that i just make the topics from mm. the for the for the program so oh that's always, great so you yeah, yeah you customize it to some specific yeah. needs yeah uh, exactly that your client might have oh, yeah how wonderful. because i think uh, that's important that you, you want to get something out of it and i really and also something that i really do is i want to give you like after the program like a toolkit that you have certain things that you can do yourself so after working together that you can just continue yourself the the aim is that you don't need me <laughs> that you can just do it yourself because it's something that comes back every day every uh-huh. I mean so it's really important that you learn to navigate through these things yourself oh, that's where I'm just helping you with do you work with clients around the world yes yes I've got at the moment a few uh, clients from Australia so uh, yeah lovely we're you know on our way to wrap up this conversation makes me a little sad because it's so good but i know that we can have another one and i would definitely love to have you back but before we go please share with us a favorite word in your native language it's in english it's one word in frisian it's not one word it's like Ah. a few words together Mm -hmm. it is leeg by the groen eater Leg by the Grun Ita. Yeah, it's like to picnic, and it, it actually translates to eating low uh, at the ground. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I love yeah. picnic. So, <laughs> yeah, me too. It's nice. They're fun. Yeah. 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 How about a favorite word in one of the foreign languages you speak? I really like the Spanish word aprovechar. Aprovechar. It's like, it's like really like, yeah, I like that one. You can use it in so many. It's like, yeah, this is good. This it's is a, a good word. one. That's a great one. Aprovechar. So in English, how would you translate it in English? Yeah, for me, I normally think like make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I love I love that you went with that translation because I know that there's a, another possible one. because There's not an exact translation to this in, in English. Um, but there's also, you know, take advantage of. But I've never loved that one. Aprovecharse de alguien, right? And yeah. That would be the context Someone. for that. Yeah. But it's also to enjoy. Yes, that's that's the side that I like. That's the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and one last one. So this one's not about languages. This is a little more about a life reflection. If you could talk to your past self, Amarines, what action or decision would you thank her for today? I thank myself that I went to that workshop where I realized that I needed to love myself first because that was like, that changed everything. It was a turning point. How powerful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you so much again for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. It was really nice. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye, Amarines. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Before you go, please rate it, give it five stars if you enjoyed it, and leave a written review to let us know what resonated with you. In the episode notes, you will find information on how to connect and work with yoga and self-love coach Amarines Brandenburg. 
Visit her website to book a free self-love call or subscribe to her newsletter and get her free ebook with her top 10 tips to reconnect to your most authentic self. Thanks again for choosing to spend this moment of life with us today. Until next time, may life flow in the best possible way for you and every one of us. I'm Katerina and this was the Being Well Between Cultures podcast. By the way, are you already following the podcast? No? Subscribe and follow to get notified when new episodes come out. And remember, share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues to help the Being Well Between Cultures community grow and touch another person's life. Mm -hmm.